Coming up on the WAC Podcast, WAC basketball preview days have come and gone. We'll break it down for you. Who's picked to win? What Kendra's thoughts were talking to all 22 schools, 41 different players. A lot going on there. Also, uh, she had a chance to work with Mike O'Donnell and Reagan Peebley on those shows. Also, Seattle U men's soccer, number 13 in the country. CBU men's cross country number five in the country. Got some highly ranked teams, plus uh, the women's cross country at CBU. Utah Valley cross country is also ranked. A lot going on. And we also were going to play the interview with Michael Donald and Jeff Goodman. This is the longest open we've ever done. Ever. That's all ahead on the WAC podcast. John, John, John. <laughs> This WAC podcast is brought to you by our friends at University Credit Union, the official financial institution partner of the Western Athletic Conference. Well, 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 what an open that was. I mean, there's four so much hours go- in length. So much going on, though. There is. You got to get really it all is. in. Because you know what? October is the best time of the year, and I'll tell you why for three well, reasons. Okay. One, it's getting a little chilly, but it's not too cold here in the good state of Texas. It might be a little chilly elsewhere, but in the great state of Texas, it's not bad. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yes. The evenings, it's a little chilly. The Love skies it. are bright. The leaves are changing. The skies yeah, are, are bright. Changing? What? <laughs> <laughs> leaves aren't really changing, actually, either. So, But imagine they are. So that's reason yes. one. Two, Halloween who does not like dressing up and getting candy? Right. And three, the most important, it's my birthday month. You know, I was first time say we've that. heard of this. <laughs> I, I was unaware that your birthday was coming up. I know, I know. Twenty eighth uh, on the twenty eighth. That is referred to as the golden birthday. The, the only thing that could be more exciting than your birthday, <laughs> whack basketball preview day. That's great. That's that a great we did segue. at the city of Arlington this past Monday, Tuesday. And you had a chance to do uh, 10 hours of broadcasting. Ooh. On day one on the women's side, you worked with Reagan Peebley. Yes. And on day two, you worked with Mike O'Donnell. Uh, let's start with the men's. Okay. Uh, and the preseason poll came out Monday night. Grand Canyon is the pick to win the conference. Of course, they won the conference tournament last year almost unanimously. Uh, one, uh, They got nine votes. Two votes going to Stephen F. Austin, but uh, at the top there, it, it seems like GCU pretty clear cut as the favorite uh, going into this season. Yeah, you know, they won the tournament last year, and they return a lot of those key place players. Ray Harrison, who was the WAC tournament MVP, um, returns after testing the NBA waters. Gay McLaughlin, who had a monstrous 35 points, 10 rebounds in the WAC tournament. Uh, Javon Blackshire Jr., who had tore his ACL, who was the preseason player of the year last year, tore his ACL, was out. He looks to come back, and then they've just stacked up their roster with a lot of transfers. <laughs> they got two seven-footers, I believe, on their roster. Yeah, so they, they have big. transfers coming in from Louisville, from Oregon. Yeah. And believed to be, you know, big-time type players. But, yeah, having Javon Blackshire Jr., who last year was a preseason player of the year. Yeah. Ray Harrison, preseason player of the year this, this year. year. Gabe McLaughlin, the new Johnny McCants. Right. <laughs> uh, where it seems like Gabe has been at GCU forever. I know. Good news for them. He's back. I know. And I think with those seven footers, and he got into it a, a little bit during a preview day, uh, Gabe had to play a lot of uh, inside post play last year just with, with the makeup of the team. You figure a couple seven footers, he might be able to step outside a little more this year. Yeah, and, and, and being – the, the guy who's been with the program, his fourth season, this will be with the Lopes. He's kind of established himself as the leader among the big men, but he doesn't want to, you know, be the best of the big men. He, he believes, you know, I think the quote was, ah, gosh, I'd have to find it, but it was like, <laughs> I'm going to mess this up, Gabe, if you're listening. (laughs) Like, the floor of the ceiling, you know what, this is not going to, i got to be able to have it to be able to say it. The floor is the ceiling? I don't want the floor. (laughs) You know what, wait, wait for it. I have to have it now. Stand by, because I'll have this. Okay, so I'll I'll go back to the poll here. No, I have it. Okay, you got it. (laughs) I have it. (laughs) I want to be the floor when it comes to leading the fellow big men on the team. The floor. <laughs> <laughs> we waited that long for that quote. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, 
Yeah, no, he, <laughs> but he's always uh, someone who's very interesting to talk to. Yes. He, he has an interesting story. He transferred in. I believe his mom works at the university. And he's uh, like a hometown guy and can do it all. I mean, he's been on our top play how many times with his dunks over the years. Added a three-point shot, you know, the, the past few years as well. But he's an energy guy. He gets a lot of rebounds. He's just, you know, a real positive type of person. Almost ran over you after they I won know, the I was just going to say. <laughs> or was that the semis? That was the semis. The semis, yeah. yes. It was a tough spot. You know, I had to grab the coach, and they were coming back, and he was all amped up celebrating. And he, So I have to show you, I did. It was very they, sweaty. They sent me the reverse <laughs> angle. They so did? The, the person who was following Gabe on the GCU side. So ran into the camera. So you see him run into the camera guy. Bryce Drew, as it turns out, saved your life. Oh, did he step, step he, he in did. there? Because he could have got you flush and knocked you down. Oh, my goodness. And Bryce Drew put an arm out and saved you. Oh, wow. So, so shout out to head coach Bryce Drew <laughs> I doing it all. Yeah. I mean, seriously, guiding the Lopes to two NCAA tournament appearances in the last three years and saving my life. We have a big announcement coming out uh, today that – uh, some linear games, as we say in the biz, which means uh, ESPN Network. So, of course, all basketball games in the WAC are on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, occasionally, we'll have some that go to one of their family of networks. Uh, don't know exactly which ones and those kind of things, but Grand Canyon will be playing San Diego State, of course, was in the NCAA championship game. That will be moved to one of the ESPN uh, family of networks. They also have a road game at Liberty, as it turns out, that's going to go on there. And then we're also going to have Seattle U hosting Utah Valley in January that uh, is going to get moved to ESPN. So look out for that announcement. That's pretty exciting. You know, of course, Grand Canyon's got the environment. They were on ESPN last year. I was there. It was wild. I was in the student section. But very cool for Seattle U and Utah Valley. I mean, both the teams are, are going to look a lot different this year. Seattle U, I think, returns, obviously, more players than Utah Valley, who basically is a complete roster uh, overhaul. <laughs> but now, those teams are picked three and four. They are. In the and preseason they, poll. They and, got good pieces. Yeah. Seattle U is returning Cameron Tyson, of course, so they're in a good spot. That was, so. that was a big deal because yeah, I don't think very many people thought he was going to be back this year. That, he had tested the NBA waters yeah. as well. So And uh, Coach Chris Victor was unavailable on uh, preview day, as it turns out. He was uh, spending some time with his, his newborn uh, baby daughter. Yeah, had him and his wife had a baby on Sunday. So, and I think uh, – so. Grant Leap, Leap yep. stepped in, who's their assistant. He, it's his first year with the program as well. And he was like, oh, thank goodness they had a scrimmage or something on Saturday. So he was able to – Coach Victor was at the scrimmage Saturday, but <laughs> not at the media day. So, so uh, Stephen F. Austin picked second, Seattle U third. There was only one point separating those two teams. Utah Valley number four, of course. Mark Madsen uh, went to California. They have new coach Todd Phillips in. So – being picked number four with a whole new roster. I mean, it was really an entire new roster. But Drake Allen, one of the new guys for Utah Valley, and he came over from Southern Utah. He's preseason all-conference. He is. And Drake Allen was a guy that we had on our radar last year as it was his first year transferring into Southern Utah. I believe he came from a JUCO um, from the JUCO level, and he really came into his own and was a big threat and a big part of Southern Utah making that run in the tournament. So him playing over at Utah Valley and, and Todd uh, Phillips, who coached under Mark Madsen, he was with the program. He had legendary coaches to learn under. I think he's going to take the program and pick it back, right? pick it up right where it left off, which was an NIT Final Four run. Stephen Austin, we kind of skipped over them uh, just now. Number two in the, in the conference, and they also have quite a few players back. They do. Day Day Hall, uh, who's preseason all-conference team. He, you know, he had a torn labrum last year, so he was basically he led the whack and field goal percentage with one arm. <laughs> That's what I say. But uh, he's back. I mean, injuries just crushed Stephen F. Austin last year. Um, they were just, you know next man up, next man up, next man up. Okay, come on, you know, and so so they have a strong set of people back and so that should be that should be interesting. Yeah, Latrell Giselle and Latrell uh, Giselle, AJ Kajus, yes. both of which I did play uh horse, horse with when I went to Stephen F. Austin and AJ Kajus beat me, so I didn't want to bring it up at Media Day. 
but I did beat Latrell Giselle. Whoa. So, yeah. So just just saying. Uh, number five in the league is Abilene Christian. And, of course, Moody uh, had the renovation last year, their their arena. And th- there were high expectations last year. Uh, perhaps didn't quite get to those. They're kind of a kind of a sneaky good kind of a sleeper kind of a team this year. They are. They return, you know, a couple of their key pieces: Emmanuel Allen, uh, Ali Deba, who was the big transfer from Chicago State. Arian Simmons as well. Arian Simmons is back, Johnny and I'm, I know. Part two. I thought last year was his, you know, final year. And last year, really, I don't know if Arian Simmons really got going. It felt like he was just up and down. He wasn't really that player that we had seen the previous year when ACU made that run in the tournament uh, four games in three days or whatever they had to do to get to the championship. So, but they got some pieces back. Of course, they lost Damian Daniels, who was their point guard. They lost Joe Pleasant, who was the guy that had played at ACU when they made their NCAA tournament appearance, went to Wichita State, came back. But you know they got a good they got a good core. They got his sons on the team, so that's exciting. Didn't get to ask him about it media day because we were just rolling through. But year two of his son playing for him, so that's pretty cool. So they they've always got a good team. And they have uh, UTEP on the schedule this year, and and their former coach uh, Golding uh, yes. coming back. So that that's one of those ones. A lot of interesting games coming up in the in the early part of the year, but that that was one definitely that uh, will catch everybody's attention. Certainly, yeah. Coach Tanner worked under Joe Golding for a long time, and so, you know, him coming back to the gym, and it's going to be going to be an emotional night in Moody Coliseum. Tarleton State, number six. Uh, a lot of new faces for Coach Billy Gillespie. Same with uh, CBU, uh, California Baptist, number seven. They're, they're right under them in the, in the poll. And UT Arlington with new head coach KT Turner checking in at number eight. They also have some new faces, but also – some uh, familiar faces coming back for the Mavericks. Yeah, there are some familiar faces. Brandon Talbot was there uh, last year. Shamar Wilson, who wasn't able to be at Media Day, uh, is back. Aaron Cash. Uh, but looking at these rosters, a lot of these teams, there's just so many new faces. And so you really don't know what these teams are going to look like or how these, you know, they, they got some big, big name transfers, but how are they going to fit into the system until, you know, the first couple of games. And, you know, we saw with Grand Canyon last year, they had a lot of new pieces, but they didn't, they didn't, couldn't really gel for a while. They got hot at the end, of course, and might as well, if you're going to get hot, <laughs> get right. hot at the end and punch their ticket to the tournament. Uh, tied for ninth Southern Utah, UTRGV, the Thunderbirds, uh, keep in mind, they were in our championship game last year. Uh, picked number nine in the poll this year. They have a new coach in Rob Jeter, a lot of new players as well. RGV and uh, head coach Matt Figure. they had some some pieces back. And then 11th, I mean, somebody's got to get picked 11th, I guess, in this poll, Utah Tech, who, remember, they won a game in the tournament last year. Yeah, I think Utah Tech is probably going to take that co- preseason coaches poll and put it up in their <laughs> locker room everywhere they look because, I mean – they only have two returners. They got all, all sorts of new players. But you have John Judkins, who's back. He knows the, he he has the ability a to yeah establish yeah. a winning winning culture there. And they yeah they did. They beat uh, I believe it was it Stephen F. Austin in over. No, it wasn't Stephen F. Austin. I think they lost to Stephen F. Austin. Uh, they they played a I remember a tight game against Southern Utah. I believe in round two. I don't remember who they beat in round one. It might have been. Might have been Utah. I believe. Well, either way, <laughs> either way, as I'm going to look this up while I'm going to continue talking. But they have Tanner Christensen, Noah Gonzalez um, back. And, you know, both of them obviously will see bigger roles this year. My computer is. You know, we're in the studio, so it's a lot of times the uh, Internet in here, not the greatest. I'll tell you who they beat. Number six seed Stephen F. Austin. How about that? Eighty seventy six in OT. That, what a pull there! Yeah, because that that was at Mandalay Bay. Yes. So that was on the night that we were changing over to go to the Orleans, and so no disrespect, great game. We loved it. We loved the overtime. Really forced our moving. We I think we were moving boxes at like one a.m. that night. That's it was right. fun. <laughs> uh, a couple other things, men's basketball wise. Uh, our commissioner, Brian Thornton, who was, was at uh, the basketball preview days as well, he was uh, just recently appointed chair of the Men's Basketball Competition Committee for the NCAA. So that is quite a big deal. So we'll see some more information on that if uh, 
I don't know if it's before the podcast, after the podcast. And also he was, I believe we talked about it last week. I don't remember for sure, though, that he was appointed to the NIT selection committee. Yes, I do believe we might have mentioned it. But, yeah, two two big positions of leadership for uh, our commissioner. And, you know, he's doing a lot for this conference. And people are starting to take notice. He, he's very uh, – innovative and you know has fresh new ideas not afraid to try new things and you know it's it's getting recognized very exciting yeah just like our resume seating system which you had a chance to chop it up with ken palm that's right on the show and uh, ken pomeroy who uh we, we got to know a little bit uh, just in that time you were able to talk to him and he uh, is a former professor at the university of utah where he taught meteorology i believe right or he, Yes, or he Astron- was a meteorologist. astronomical sciences, maybe. So he's he's considered the Bill James of college basketball. Uh, KenPalm.com is his website where he comes up with the formulas to the analytics. You know, if you've ever seen Moneyball. Um, sure have. Uh, s- something similar if you take that, you know, that it's an analytic uh, way of putting a team together, which is what Billy Bean did. And he's taken that to college basketball. And you know, knows everybody and all, all the movers and shakers and to the point where this is this became his job is is doing analytics for college basketball. I know. I was like, did you have to retire from teaching because it just, you know, started to take up so much of your time? And basically that was the answer. You know, it's and it's pretty cool. You just had a love for sports and a love for, I guess, the the mathematics behind it as working with uh you know, working with outer space, <laughs> I think yeah, that's, yeah. you know, like you, there's a lot of math or, and, and he also and uh, likened predicting the weather <laughs> yes. uh, as to predicting outcomes of sports games. Yes. And that's, you know, that's why we love it because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. And you don't know what's going to happen with the weather. You can know, you can think you know, but you don't. But the weather's going to do what the weather's going to do. <laughs> that's true. So he is involved in our, our resume seating system with First Commissioner Thornton and Drew Spira, our uh, Associate Commissioner for Basketball. Going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk women's basketball on the WAC Podcast. Stay with us. Women's basketball, Grand Canyon also the pick to win the conference this year. A little closer in the voting on the women's side. They get 93.6 first place votes. Southern Utah, who won the tournament last year, and was the regular season champion. They got five votes and 87 points. So, Molly Miller, some high expectations coming into this season. There isn't. Grand Canyon didn't even make the championship uh, last year. They lost in the semifinals, and they lost eight people that transferred out or graduated. Um, so, it's it's a very new squad this year. Of course, they do return Tiara Brown, Olivia Lane, Nadia Evans, Sydney Palma, and they bring in Trinity San Antonio, who was a threat, obviously, and, and a first-team or second-team all-whack, um, first-team all-whack, averaged 14 points per game at for, CBU, at CBU yeah. over on Grand Canyon now. And so, she always seems to put together, you know, a good squad, and so uh, – very interested to see how they play. They got a lot of new faces, and they got to be able to, you know, lock down on defense. On two players, uh, Trinity San Antonio and Tierra Brown, both make the preseason all-whack team. Southern Utah led by Tamika Whitman, who is on the preseason all-whack team. And they had a chance, you know, they, they played at Notre Dame in the NCAA tournament. They got hot. Remember the, the miracle shot? Uh, if that shot doesn't go in, season's over in the quarterfinals. Right. Against New Mexico State, I believe right. that was. And, yeah, they don't even go to – they they don't even get to face Grand Canyon in the semis, who they end up beating. If, if that shot – that probably had a .00001% chance of going in. And then they, they beat CBU in the championship. CBU now picked third in the conference. As you mentioned, they did lose Trinity San Antonio transferring to GCU. But Grace Schmidt is back, and she is on the preseason all-whack team. Yes, Grace Schmidt, uh, you know, she was in her freshman year last year. I don't know how many other sophomores are actually. I think she might be the only one that's on this list. Um, she's she's just been a, a real threat for the for the Lancers. Um, I'm trying to see what else stood out to me. Nene Calhoun is back for um, California Baptist. She, she spent two years at Hawaii. This is her right. second year with the program. She's actually from Riverside, Kinsley Barrington. Six-foot senior from Washington is back as well. So they have some good pieces. Their team, though, they, they, they really shoot the three, and if the three is working, they're winning, and if it's not, 
No, actually, Jared Olson would hate that I said that because he's like, <laughs> they, we they, go, we you, we go inside as well. So they, they do my shoot apologies. a lot of threes, though. They do. That's, they that's, do. That, that's an accurate statement. <laughs> Jared Olson, uh, one of the best coaches in the league the last several years as well. And Chloe Webb is also back oh, that's true. for the Lancers and uh, foolish of was, was excited uh, last year at the Orleans uh, that her uncle was in the house, uh, one Terrell Davis, the former NFL MVP, NFL Hall of Famer from the Denver Broncos. Uh, yes, and she played pretty well. She had a couple of big-time blocks, I want to say, and some defensive stops there in the semifinals to push into the championship. So the next team up is Utah Tech. And they have the preseason player of the year, Brianna Gillen. They have some pieces back, too. That's that's one, you know, they're, they're picked fifth there, but uh, you could see them making a run for the title. I can, and it's funny because we asked J.D. Gustin two years ago at preview day what the goal was, and he said win a game in the WAC tournament. Of course, they go to the WAC tournament. They do win a game, so they accomplish their goal. This year I asked him what's the goal, and – they're going to keep it in-house a secret, but they're a lot bigger than last year. So they return Brianna Gill, of course, preseason player of the year. Emily Isaacson, she was second team all-whack last year. And they also get the Macy and Maddie Warren twins back. Macy, the Macy, Macy and Maddie Warren. <laughs> the Warren twins. The Warren twins back, both of them tearing their ACL last year. So I got a chance to talk to Emily Isaacson when I was out in Utah Tech. Um, she right, she works with the athletic program she wants to get into athletics post-graduation she, she was in our uh in our psa yes on uh, sportsmanship ah oh okay that's uh, now airing uh, that i need to post that today tune in <laughs> uh, also i misspoke i said they were picked fifth they're picked fourth oh Utah fourth Tech. okay so Stephen f austin is picked fifth of course mark kellogg uh, their outstanding coach for the last decade or so moved on to west virginia and len bishop came in he was an assistant at SFA, you had a chance to talk to them when they did that announcement. They have, uh, they uh, of all the teams, uh, you know, probably uh, as much change on the roster as anybody. But I know there's a lot of respect for Len Bishop and the program at SFA, maintaining a standard that they've set uh, for decades now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sustained success yes. is the mantra down there. I mean, he, he's been with the program for eight seasons, so he's been a part of that success. But, you know, when Mark Kellogg left, he took Jordan Harrison, who was the freshman of the year last year. He took Zaya Nugent with him and um, Avery Brittingham to, to UTA. SFA. She went to oh, yeah. UTA. Yeah. <laughs> she went back to SFA. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, they have they have Kirsten Harden, Kyla Deck, Destiny Lombardi. I was at one of their games last year, and it really seemed like I think it was Destiny Lombardi who actually had the big game. She was the player of the game. But they had a lot of different players that were able to step up. So, you know, they have some pieces if they can put it all together. Abilene Christian, Coach Julie Goodenough, ranked number six. Right behind them is UT Arlington at number seven. They were, uh, I believe, hoping to have Star Jacobs back in the lineup. Uh, that wound up not happening uh, this past summer, but they, as we mentioned, they get Avery Brittingham coming in, and UT Arlington was a team. I, I know they were they were hoping to maybe do a little more in the tournament. So again, maybe on that sleeper side of things this year. Yeah, I could definitely see UTA on the sleeper side. They got Avery Brittingham, and they also got Talia Clark, who played at Seattle U. UT Arlington lost to Seattle U in the opener of the WAC tournament. It was an upset, and Talia Clark had gone off for the game high twenty three points in it, and so and they almost beat GCU. Didn't they, they did. They in did. The second round. Yeah, Seattle U really had caught fire as of late. Of course, um, now with the new head coach this year and a Skyler lot. Skyler Young uh, at, new at Seattle U. They they are actually picked last again. Somebody has to get picked last, I guess, but. You know, um, I, I guess they're looking at, uh, you know, what the regular season record was last year and the fact that they did have some players transfer out. UTRGV number eight, Lane Lord, he's always a wild card there. He's always a person that, uh, you know, seems like he could catch fire at any time, especially in the tournament. Uh, we saw it when he first came in, got, got the Vaqueros to the championship game, I believe uh, maybe two years in a row when he first started. How about that? <laughs> Is that, am I just making things up? <laughs> um, well, I think my f two years ago was my first web. No, I'm saying, uh, yeah, when he first started. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yes. <laughs> Maybe. <Sure. laughs> uh, Tarleton picked number nine, uh, tied with Utah Valley. Um, 
I, I know the that Dan Nilsson at, at UVU, they uh, they have higher expectations in ninth place. Yeah, they certainly do. Um, I think they're, you know, another team that has a lot of young talent, a lot of new talent. Kaylee Bion's just a sophomore. She was a freshman last year, but she started to get a lot of minutes. Allie Criddle was uh, – is a junior. I mean, she she averaged just under six points a game. Um, so they have some returners, but they they lost a lot of pieces. And last year, they they had I think they were still rebuilding from all the pieces that they lost the previous year because two years ago, they were massive in playing in the WAC, you know, semifinals, I believe. And uh, it was interesting. Uh, Reagan Peebley was our analyst for Media Day, and she's a former WAC Coach of the Year when she was at Utah State. Uh, from Orem, Utah, as it turns out, originally. So it was it was funny during the course of the day that, you know, she knows Dan, she's known Dan Nielsen for years. She's also known Bill Brock for years. Tarleton also picked number nine. Here's a guy that has a lot of coaching experience, was, uh, was one of the top assistants there at Baylor when they were winning national championships. Yeah, no, he's worked under Kim Mulkey and, you know, knows how to build a successful program. Of course, Tarleton was the only team left out of the tournament last year, um, a couple pretty much completely new roster down there as well. So there's so many teams that are, are unknowns right now, but it's going to be interesting to see, you know, who starts to pull away. Is it going to be the teams we expect? And will some of those sleepers that are, you know, bottom half of the polls start sneaking up? That's why they play. That's I know. That's what Ken Pomeroy that's why, that's why. That's why it's exciting. That's <laughs> It is. Okay, so that was a lot of basketball talk. We have other things to talk Woo! about as well. We're going to take a quick break figure out what those things are when we come back figure it out stay with us welcome back to the WAC podcast men's soccer uh we're starting to get towards the end of the season seattle u latest national rankings number 13 in the country under brand new head coach nate dalagon that is pretty cool now nate dalagon of course is with the program dalagon right dalagon okay Dalagon. dalagon It's Delagon, you're right. Delagon. Yeah. Because he, he told us when you oh, yeah. him. Yeah. What is. But, you know, that's that's pretty cool. First year head coach. Of course, he was with the program as the associate head coach, I believe, for three or four seasons. Uh, but, yeah, they've got James Morris. We've talked about him so many times, but he leads the league, I believe, in, in scoring and Offensive assists. player of the week. Offensive player of the week. And, uh, you know, they have a lot of players back from last year. They just had a lot of injuries down the stretch, and they still were able to win a match in the WAC tournament. UNLV uh, has come alive uh, during conference play here. It I was, know. It was sparked by their win at Tulsa, their their last non-conference game. Uh, they've they've gone on to since beat San Jose State, Air Force, Utah Tech had a tie against Utah Valley. They are currently sitting in second place in a tie with San Jose State in the WAC standings. When, when I have my little uh, fantasy football group text, and if my team's doing badly, and then they kind of come back to life i was in this gif of the undertaker the wrestler like rising out of the coffin and then getting back in the ring type of thing oh, okay that's kind of what unlv's done this year <laughs> what a <laughs> reference what i mean when you're the team that's going to be hosting the whack men's soccer championship regardless there's extra motivation to be in that tournament nobody wants to have every team come to their home field and be left out of the competition. And so I think maybe there was a turning point where like, hey, if we don't turn this thing around, we're going to be on the outside looking in on our own field, not able to play and even participate. So I think the best thing they can do is give themselves a chance to to have that home field advantage, be in the tournament, and just see where they can go. And right now sitting at second, pretty impressive. San Jose stayed in that tie for second. Uh, you had a chance to see them when you're at Utah Tech. And Simon Tobin always has – a tough as nails kind of a team, kind of reflect the coach. You know, you see him like he's he, he's he's got the muscles oh, you know, he, popping out of the he's shirt. He's jacked. He was locked <laughs> in. I got a chance to say hi to him beforehand. I got to see, you know, some of their players as they're doing the huddle. David Sweeney clapping the gloves, getting everyone hyped. And I believe they went on to beat Utah Tech 3 nothing three zip that game because Utah Tech had, had started to come alive. They at that point they were two and zero in conference play and San Jose State was one and one. And and so yeah, Utah Tech had kind of looked at this like, hey, we haven't been to the WAC tournament. If we want to get there, we kind of got to go through a team like this, San Jose State, perennial powerhouse, typically going to be in your WAC tournament. Um, so that was a good test for them and potentially a good uh, 
eye-opening experience to be able to, you know, know what it takes to be able to compete against the top talent to be one of six teams who make the tournament. California Baptist now 3-1. and one. They, they did lose to Seattle U 3-0 this past week, but as we mentioned, Seattle U ranked, ranked number 13 in the country. Utah Tech at 3-2, and two, also in a tie for fourth place. And right now, Utah Valley, Grand Canyon, UTRGV kind of fighting for what would be the Wild. last spot. In the, and Grand Canyon, I guess, is the one uh, from what we saw at the beginning of the year to now is, is probably the most surprising that they have not been uh, getting the results they wanted. But, of course, they've you know played some tough teams. They played CBU. They played San Jose State. They played Seattle U. They, they you know only team to tie Seattle U in conference play. So it'll be interesting to see how things play out as they have Utah Tech and UNLV coming to Phoenix this week. So those could be uh, two to circle in terms of how things are going to play out in WAC men's soccer. Yeah, absolutely. And then just going down the list, Air Force sitting at the bottom, I think still looking for their eight, first one. Eight one-goal uh, one games uh, this year. I mean, that's unbelievable. I mean, that, that's I, I've never seen anything like it, two, to, to be honest. Two, three, yeah. four, five – Six, seven, eight. Yeah, I mean, to you know, when I was speaking with, I don't know why I'm making this reference, but I was talking to head coach Colby Carthel the other day, yeah. Stephen SFA F. Austin, football. and yeah. you know, they're searching for their first win in the UAC. You know, they're they're below 500, and he said, "Look, we're you know, three three plays away from being." the top in the team like that's right. the top that's in the league that's how is. close yeah. it is and you know for for air force it's got to be a tough pill to swallow to keep having so many close games but matches but you got to be able to close them out and you know it's it's tough that's tough it's not usually where we're used to be to seeing the falcons um and man i hope i hope they pick up a win <laughs> so you switch it over to women's soccer <laughs> and we have the championship starting a week from sunday i can't believe it it's already here Five teams clinched spots in the WAC tournament this past week, starting with Utah Valley. They have been on a roll. They are the team to beat. 5-0-2, though. They, they, have, they have had two ties in their uh, WAC play, including uh, their last match against Seattle U. That was a 0-0 tie. They'll finish out the regular season at home against Utah Tech and Southern Utah. California Baptist sitting at second. They're going to be the host for the women's championship maybe trying to do what the men did and that is win out and punch their first ever ticket to the NCAA tournament now last year the men were you know in that top uh you know one two sort of seed and they lost a couple key games down the stretch that dropped them to five forcing them to have to play three matches instead of earning that bye and so it'd be interesting to see where California Baptist falls and I think you know the Lancers would really like that opportunity to have that rest day and then really bringing the fans full-fledged for that semifinal championship. What's interesting about the Lancers this year, you look at their WAC record 4-0-3, so they were undefeated in WAC play, and overall 9-1-6. They've only lost one game, six ties. That's a lot of ties. Uh, but in the old days, we used to have the overtime and all we that. Uh, no overtime anymore in the regular season. When we get to the tournament, there will be overtime. There will be the shootout to determine who moves on. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Grand Canyon, Chris Sissel, 4-1-2. and two. They're sitting in third place right now. So they, I, I know when I talked to Coach Sissel, he talked about how the, the getting that one or two spot is huge because you have that extra rest. So it's not as big a deal maybe as it was a few years ago where we're playing on Sunday, playing on Wednesday. So even the teams that play on Sunday will have two days of rest before they get ready for that Wednesday matchup. But definitely he wanted to be in that top two seed. There's still time. They're just one one, uh, one game back? Yeah, I mean, uh, anything can happen here. They, they are uh, what we call travel partners, right, with California Baptist. Ah. So they play the same teams as California Baptist. They finish on the road at Abilene, at Tarleton. Two teams on the outside looking in at this point. So it would uh, be interesting to see if anything happens there. But uh, if they go chalk, CBU is the two seed. Yeah, no, that's really exciting. <laughs> uh, Utah Tech also clinching a spot in the WAC tournament. Uh, they are also unbeaten in WAC play at 3-0-4. Oh, 
uh, with four ties. Seattle U, they, they came back to life uh, early in the season. We are kind of wondering, hey, what's going on with the Red Hawks? They have clinched a spot in the tournament as well. It's very bunched up. So, I mean, uh, th- this last weekend, a lot of one through six is, is going to be determined. Even Utah Valley hasn't clinched the number one spot just yet. And then right now, if this if the tournament started today, Southern Utah would be in. But Abilene Christian still mathematically alive to get in. Yeah, it's going to be kind of a battle to the finish. And then, you know, some of these top teams, it's, you know, you may be in, but you're really fighting for that that seed there. All right, let's go volleyball. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> let's just power through it here. Okay, we got whack volleyball. If you're Ste- still with us. Thank you. <laughs> Stephen F. Austin. Uh, they are on a roll of rolls here. They are 8-0. and and not only that, they're sweeping everybody. Sweeping they, everybody. My goodness. They had two more sweeps in the pressure cooker. The pressure cooker. As they call their gym. Uh, Tarleton and Abilene both got swept this week. They will be on the road at Utah Tech at Southern Utah. So it, Debbie Humphrey, uh, we'll have to see how her team uh, does on the road here. But uh, based on how they've been playing, uh, as, as well as anybody we've seen the last couple of years in WAC Volleyball. Yeah, nobody is even coming close. You know, second in the league right now is Grand Canyon. Stephen F. Austin sweeps Grand Canyon um, in Nacogdoches, of course, which helps being inside the pressure cooker. Uh, but, yeah, sweeps Grand Canyon, 8-0, 19-3 overall on the year. I mean, they just have so many pieces returning. Alon Bradley, they're, you know, their setter is making insane one-handed set plays. I mean, they're even when they're out of system, they're finding a way to, to get a ball up to the hitter and, and be able to make a play off of it. Grand Canyon, uh, Claire Mitchell uh, was our setter of the week. Um, she's the Johnny McCants, I think, of uh, <laughs> whack volleyball. Johnny McCants' name <laughs> mentioned not once, not twice, but three times in this and, podcast. And in case people aren't familiar with Johnny <laughs> McCants, uh, the outstanding uh, basketball player from New Mexico State, Seemed like he was there like 11 years. <laughs> yeah. It looked our... like he had played 11 years. He's listening. He's like, what the heck? I just used my <laughs> seven years that the NCAA gives now with the COVID year and the extra year and this. And no one can even keep track of this anymore. I have a half season of eligibility, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just insane. But, yeah, they've been there. <laughs> when we feel like they've been there a long time. <laughs> That's the go-to there. It's the go-to. Now, last week we had Todd Lowry on the show. You, you had a chance to talk to him they were hosting Grand Canyon wound up being an outstanding match but they fall to the uh to the Lopes three to two in that one so that could be one who knows when we get to the WAC tournament to maybe see a, a rematch there at some point Abilene Christian five and three we have UT Arlington Utah Valley at four and four seven and twelve on the year that's a little bit of an eyebrow raiser but San Matoa's group has won three matches in a row they will be at Grand Canyon at California Baptist this upcoming week. CBU also four and five, so a lot to be sorted out here the last few weeks of the of the regular season. But uh, all we know for sure right now is uh, Stephen F. Austin is uh, is on a roll. Yeah, that's that's all we know. <laughs> and looking at it, Utah Valley potentially at this point will be in their home uh, gym, play, participating in the WAC tournament as they are hosting. Well, we have a lot more to go. If you're still with us, buckle up. (laughs) Buckle up. We have Mike O'Donnell chatting with Jeff Goodman, which was a fascinating conversation from a national perspective on WAC men's basketball. Then we're going to just roll right in to Kendra's interview with Violet Palmer, who is uh, a – a role model. She's she's a pioneer in uh, in basketball. First female NBA official. Spent a long time in the NBA. Uh, is the head of WAC women's basketball officiating, and has has been in that role for for a while now as well. And also is the, the head of several other conferences in their officiating. But a very interesting conversation about her road to where she is. That's all ahead on the WAC podcast. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to WAC Media Day. I am joined by renowned national basketball analyst, Jeff Goodman. Uh, Jeff, thanks for uh, being here with us today. I don't know about renowned. That, that sounds a little strong right now, uh, but I'll uh, I'll take any compliment I can get because I don't get a lot of them. So I appreciate it's, it, Mike. It's written, Love it's you. written in my contract to to say that. Yeah, so that's I, I don't know if that was from you or what, but um, we're thankful to have you on with us. 
and we're here to talk about some uh, some big picture whack basketball stuff and really kind of what I was excited to talk to you about. If you take the last three years of the whack, yeah. 25th, 15th, and 11th, those are the rankings from a Ken Palm perspective on how good the whack has improved the last three years. Can you give us your general take on the whack from a national perspective? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think what honestly what Brian Thornton's done and his staff over there, they deserve the credit for this because you know I've known Brian since he was a kid and and, and he's forward thinking, right? And and that's what you're gonna get with a young commissioner like that who has played college basketball at the highest level. He understands it. You got a lot of these other commissioners that are old school brought in as business people. And again, they've got their strengths. Well, well, Brian's, I think, is, is again, that he was in it, number one. Um, he, he's incredibly well-connected, number two. And I think he's really good with people. So I think he's the perfect guy. Again, I see all these these leagues hiring these, these business people. And I get it because of the TV contract part of it. That's why they're doing it. But I, I think what Brian's doing here is, his versatility is able to take the whack to where now I think it's on the major upswing because of, of innovation. And, and again, because he's not afraid to call people and get their input. Yeah. I think it's a great point when you're talking innovation specifically, a fantastic segue into what we're going to be talking about throughout media day of it's the only conference in college basketball that is looking at their league and saying, how can we put our best teams in position, not just to win games in postseason, but to get higher seeds in the NCAA tournament, in the NIT. So you take a portion of in-house analytics and uh, Ken Palm and the net ranking, and you say, we're going to come up with a formula for putting our best teams in position to win at the end of the season and in postseason. So, that looks cool. It sounds great. It worked pretty well last season. But why, on a national perspective, is that important? Is that a big deal? Well, again, I think it's 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 good to to try to come up with different ways because if you if you keep it the way it was, you know, you are what you are, right? You're a one bid league, and you're talking about getting like a fifteen seed. Maybe you get a fourteen. Well, now I think you have to try to figure out different ways. And it may not work, but but what's the harm in trying? Otherwise, you're just saying we're okay with it, right? We're gonna, you know, we're gonna stand down and just be okay with the way it is right now. And 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 instead it's, you know, again, can we maybe get two in potentially, right? If you get the best team in the league that dominates the league in the regular season, and, and then obviously somebody else wins the league tournament. Maybe you have a chance there, too, because, again, you're having a little bit more of a priority on some of those non-conference games where nobody else does. So I, I love the fact, again, that they are trying new ways. See if it works. If it doesn't, you can always pivot. But why not try? And I know, you know, some coaches are going to push back on this because they're old school. I get it. But, again, like to me, you got to try something here or else you're just going to be the same old deal, which is, you know, that one team that's a 14, 15 seed and, you know, yeah, you get lucky, you know, New Mexico State pulls a big upset, but you don't want to have to play that game normally against UConn. You want to you want to have a, a team that's probably closer to a 10, 11, 12, give yourself a better shot. Yeah, five teams from the WAC made the postseason, right? Grand Canyon and NCAA tournament, two teams went to the NIT, two teams went to the CBI. That's that's a big deal uh, for a mid-major conference. And, and so when we're talking team specific and we won't get in the weeds on X's and O's too much, Jeff, I know, you know, I can go down that rabbit hole all day, but uh, you, you can shut me up there. Grand Canyon, what Bryce Drew is doing, I don't think most people realize, number one, the lineup he has this season, it's a monster front court, huge when you talk about transfers like Luke War from, from Oregon and Sidney Curry from Louisville, and then you have the backcourt of, of Ray Harrison, who's most likely you know going to be one of the best mid-major guards in the country. But that atmosphere, that arena, those home games, people need to start paying attention to Grand Canyon. No doubt. I mean, I remember I was out at a, um, 
a doubleheader a few years ago in Phoenix, and those fans were absolutely insane. Yeah, absolutely insane. Uh, among the best in the country that I've seen, that includes Duke and Kansas and and all, all the, you know, the 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 biggest fan bases. Um, so I'm really looking forward to getting to a game there uh, at home. But what Bryce has done is 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 awesome, and I'm glad for him because I thought he got a raw deal at Vanderbilt. To be honest, uh, I thought he should have got another year or two to see if he could he could turn that. Obviously, they Darius Garland uh, was out for the whole year. Um, but yeah, they bring back three of their top four players. Harrison's going to be a stud. Luke Ward didn't get a chance to play a ton in Oregon, but was banged up a little bit too. And Sidney Curry is a man child. I mean, he is. A, you do not want to run into him like in a dark alley. Trust me, you're not going to win that battle. You're going to run the other way as fast as you can. And I've seen you run lately. Uh, I think Sydney's going to catch you in that one. Yeah, the, the, the truth only hurts because it's the truth, you know. So I, I unfortunately have to agree with you on that one. A lot of ibuprofen these days for me. Um, it, when we we kind of gave, we talked big picture and we just talked a little Grand Canyon, there is another team that, uh, you know, your work at the field of 68, the Almanac, is off the charts. It's an, an enormous amount of manpower to get that done. But you guys picked UT Arlington as your sleeper team. And I think nationally, if you're a college basketball, especially grassroots geek, you know who KT Turner is. You yeah. know what kind of recruiter he is. But him as a head coach, UT Arlington, I'd love to get your perspective on when you saw that hire that was made. Yeah, I've known KT for 15 years. Uh, so know him well, uh, young, smart, really good X's and O's guy, obviously can recruit a high level, did a great job a couple, you know, at SMU, uh, was at Kentucky recently, obviously, if John Calipari's hiring him at Kentucky, uh, he's going to be pretty darn good. And he comes in, you know, with a lot of energy, a lot of, you know, younger. Um, so I, I think these days, listen, Mike, we know this, these days, it pays to have a younger coach that can connect with, with these kids, right? And a lot of the older coaches, and I know we're going to get into this, are frustrated with the changing landscape of college basketball, right? NIL, transfers. Um, well, a guy like KT Turner, listen, he's going to figure this thing out. He's going to figure it out because he's got no choice. He's in it for the long haul. And I think he was a, a heck of a hire for, for Arlington. You said two things there that I think, a lot of times people like to put in somewhat of a silo. You talk transfer portal and then you talk NIL. They're linked as far as I'm concerned. And I think everybody's starting to realize that even the casual fan is starting to realize that from a, a, a whack basketball perspective, the transfer up, transfer down and NIL components. You, you, you talked about the seating system, the innovation, young coaches, what does the WAC really need to do, uh, you know, when they're looking at becoming one of the premier mid-major leagues, how do you talk transfer portal and NIL when it comes to WAC basketball? Well, we'll start with, with, with the portal. And, and I think it's, as a head coach, you've got to accept that no matter what relationship you have with a kid these days, if, for instance, if Duke comes in, you know, if you're Stephen F. Austin and Kyle Keller or, or, or Bryce Drew, um, Unless you got the money to be in the ballpark, you you almost now want to recruit Mike with the thought of telling these kids, hey, listen, you know what? I'm going to develop you. We're going to do the best we can with you. And hopefully a, a high major will come after you. And, and by the time you're and I know it sounds crazy to say that, but I think that's almost the best way to, to recruit some of these kids these days. And obviously you got to be older. You can't have a team like we we, we used to see loaded with freshmen that is not going to work these days so what i think you have to do is figure out hey i'm going to lose some guys to the high major ranks but i gotta find those guys that maybe um you know were unhappy with their role maybe they weren't playing again a sydney curry's a great example right he was a rotation guy at louisville probably thought he'd be a starting big man a five man at louisville new coach comes in kenny Payne. those are the guys you got to try to pick off and if you lose a, a really established player that, that averaged 15 a game, you got to replace him with somebody that might average five a game at the high major level. But he comes down and now he can put up with an expanded role. He could put up 12 or 15. 
Yeah, I think you, you wrote um, a, a really great article for Stadium in regards to, okay, players transferring up, players transferring down conference, and what were the success metrics actually look like? And I actually don't think we talk about that enough. I'm a transfer down player. Like you said, I didn't run well, so I needed to go maybe go down a level. But the 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 idea that transferring down has some type of negative connotation, but if you have aspirations beyond just college basketball and you get in the right system, th th that's the perfect type of scenario. I, mean, I, I would assume in the WAC, you know, if you're Bryce Drew, if you're KT Turner, you're selling that aspect of system, are you not? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And and you, you've seen it over and over and over, right? Some of these guys who transfer down, uh, they get a chance and then they end up playing professionally, whether it's in the NBA or overseas, they're getting that opportunity to show what they can do, getting the freedom that they just didn't get at the high major level. You know, for one reason or another, they might have had a couple dudes already and, and they were more of a, a piece instead of a featured guy. So I, I think, again, sometimes you see that you know, kid Brandon Pazinski last year, great example at Santa Clara, right? Like probably the best example we can ever give. He couldn't get off the bench at Illinois. Couldn't get off the bench. He goes, and now he's a first round pick. Uh, so he's the poster child, as far as I'm concerned, of a kid who transferred down and it it, it worked out. And, you know, a lot of kids are going to look at him and, and a lot of coaches at the mid-major level right now are selling uh, AirPods, which was his nickname given to him by his father, AirPods. Uh, to to some of these other mid-major kids. Yeah, Santa Clara is kind of actually turning into somewhat of an NBA factory right now. Um, Coach Sendak doing a really nice job there. So the, the before before we let you go, we've talked uh, a little bit at the top, you know, specifically Grand Canyon, little UT Arlington. Any other team, one or two teams that you yeah. think that just nationally we need to pay attention to or might be on the cusp of something better? I mean, always you got to look at Stephen F. Right. I mean, just what they have in terms of their, their history. Uh, you know, Kyle Keller has has dealt with a lot of injuries lately. You know, a lot of injuries the last couple of years. But I think he'll get them back to where they were. Um, obviously, Kyle does a great job. Great. Really, really underrated. I think X is an O's guy uh, over there. And, and I think Seattle, you know, what they've been able to do with, you know, Tyson coming back. Like, they're going to have a chance here to finish somewhere in that top upper echelon of the league. Uh, but again, I, I love this league. I love the coaches. Uh, I, I love what, what Brian Thornton has done to try to increase the profile. You know, the other thing he's done, which, uh, you know, I, I, I give him a lot of admiration for is he's been proactive reaching out to, to national media people. You know, a lot of commissioners aren't doing, they, they think they're above that. They don't have to do that. Um, you know, Brian's great. We talk all the time. Uh, and again, we've had a longstanding relationship as well. So I, I think the WAC is on the come up right now. And I don't think it's gotten enough credit for what they've been able to do, especially the last couple of years. Well, we appreciate your time, Jeff. Thank you so much. And uh, look forward to seeing you on the, on the trail here. You and I were just talking before we got on. We're itching, ready for the season to get going. So thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACsports.com.